This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome everyone to Kremlin File. And today we have a special, special guest, Jessica Aro. I just finished reading Putin's Trolls. Jessica is the author, Jessica, big, huge hello and welcome to Kremlin File. We are big fans. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. So today we're going to be discussing um, a few things from that book, but also about your investigations. Now you've written extensively all about Russian troll farms. What exactly did you see that drove you, okay, to actually investigate something like this that then becomes something quite dangerous to your own personal safety? Can you tell us about that? Yes, of course. Back in 2014, I was working as a journalist with the Finnish broadcasting company where I still work. And I was trying to write news to the audience about what Russia was doing to Ukraine. So Russia was attacking and waging war against Ukraine. And it was really difficult even for me, who's supposed to be an expert journalist, Mm -hmm. to really get to know what is actually happening there, because there were just these vague concepts like pro-Kremlin separatists and really uh, conspiracy theories also being spread online and just challenging uh, to write uh, the truth. And then I realized, because really brave Russian journalists, the independent ones, they had Mm. a year earlier uncovered a special place, an office in St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, where hundreds of kids were employed to pose as real citizens and poisoning a social media sphere with pro-Putin comments. And as I realized that this is actually happening, and I realized that they could pose threat to at least people's freedom of speech, but also I just wanted to know uh, what the trolls are up to. So I started crowdsourced investigation because I just wanted to know whether they can actually impact real people. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yes. Interesting. And yeah, no, no, no. I mean, also because you describe the troll farms themselves. Now, how do they fit in to the overall structure of Russian no information warfare? Because this is a really important part of it. And then what other kind of they use that, but there are also other tools as well, right, that they use in their information warfare. Can you tell us about those? These troll factories were really well described as one of my interviewees already back in 2014, 2015, as snipers in the information warfare. Mm -hmm. So they are the guys who really go after individual internet users in different countries operating on behalf of Russian security services and these propaganda architects who have designed uh, these themes and operations uh, that benefit the Kremlin's policies most. So these troll factories uh, are there to really reach and go after and market these ideas uh, to 
individuals around the globe. And what I started to look into this was specifically uh, in the core of my investigation was how actively are they uh, operating in against foreigners? Because mm. we already knew at that time that the trolls were attacking Russians inside Russia and uh, the journalists who had, for example, infiltrated the factory back in 2013, they told that they were given new themes every morning mm-hmm. as they went to the work shift. And then they would have to write, for example, to social media about nasty things about Russian opposition figures and even about Americans, interestingly. Mm. So uh, my interest was, what else was there? And was it international? And unfortunately, I then found out that it is international and was already back then. So two things. Um, first, we went with my colleague Mika to the troll factory February 2015. And we looked into the factory's recruitment ads. And those recruitment ads, they were looking for new employees who would work as social media managers and mm. copywriters mm. as if uh, like this most disgusting copywriters ever. But yeah, so they were looking for these types of positions. And they also were looking for people who knew English language. Mm. So we called the recruiter and pretended we want a job there. And we asked, what kind of material do you want me to produce if I come to work there? And mm. she said it herself, uh, political news. So already back then, the troll factory uh, was actually conducting information warfare internationally. But Mm. you know what's even more special, uh, not just in English, but also in Finnish information space, they were so active. And you know the hubs at that time of the trolls and Mm. troll activity were Russian embassy social media channels. So Russian embassies already back then were super active on Twitter and on Facebook and so on the diplomatic and trolling, uh, retweeting troll tweets like Finnish language, Russian troll tweets. Wow. So to gather more followers to them and more attention to their messages, they were really heavily attacking Ukraine. They were uh, Russian embassies, Twitter account for, was, for example, sending pictures of dead people and accusing Twitter. And you know about that sniping that they were doing already back then, like Mm. really micro-micro-targeting individual Finnish people. They would go after, for example, a blogger or an individual person that would just voice out their opinion uh, that the Kremlin didn't like, and they would uh, start harassing, calling Mm. names, as well as uh, molding and manipulating their messages and redirecting them. So they are just so, you know, obsessive, these trolls, mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. been for some time. And they really seem to monitor. The most disturbing thing, in my opinion, is that they monitor what yeah. we say online, what regular, like, grassroots citizens have to yeah. say on social media, on comment sections. And then they go after them if they don't like the opinions. So yeah. anyone is target. Yeah. And the same tactics today are used. For example, I've seen so many people, even on Twitter now, like in these in this period, but even leading up to the war, even before the war, especially where I am, where they would do, uh, let's say, brigading operations where they would target someone, make sure that that person was blocked or deplatformed. Uh, because they were speaking against you know, either the government here in Italy or, you know, the Russian uh, embassy or whatever it was. But it was, you're right, they target specifically, right, specifically. You said something in your book that really hit me because 
in the book, you had to leave Finland, right? You tell us, you know, that you had to leave. You no, know? have you gone back now? Do you feel safer there? Yeah, I was forced to come back for financial reasons. And okay. uh, I came back after living two years abroad and after finalizing the first draft of my book abroad. And I was forced to leave because immediately as soon as I published my initial investigation, September 2014, mm-hmm. then I was targeted by Russian uh, intelligence-connected individuals and later uh, Russian uh, pro-Kremlin fake news sites as well as uh, Finnish language programming fake news sites and so many of my compatriots have been turned to hate me and just long story short I was made the target of still ongoing criminal field campaign Uh, for example the police has estimated that I am facing the threat of impulsive violence if I'm in the wrong place in the wrong time, meaning that if some of these people who have been brainwashed into believing that I am, for example, let's see, a CIA helper or NATO troll or a mentally ill threat to Finnish security, state security, or that I'm lying about the existence of Russian trolls, which are the claims that are being spread about me all over the information space, then um, if these people meet me in the street, they might want to um, punch me in the head or whatever. And I have received just the most massive amount of uh, death threats. And those were the initial reason why I really felt that I need to leave because there were just real people going after me and threatening me all the time. And I was really locked in my own home. I was, even the police was telling me to, to like stay aware, vigilant, what is happening in my surroundings, check what are there any uh, weird objects or, uh, under my car. Just oh, like I just wow. felt a prisoner in Finland. So I left. Wow, that's incredible. And this is, this is really what these trolls are doing also. You know, they are, uh, it's really at the core. Yeah. Uh, they are really pushing people's uh, buttons uh, with their these fake news stories and these troll messages, usually trying to push the uh, fear or anger buttons in people because those are the feelings that uh, direct people into action. And in my case, they have been directed into action um, to send me death threats, hate mail, and to really follow me even on the streets. But uh, of course, these trolls also uh, use the same... Uh, technique to have people hate Ukraine and go attack Ukraine, mm. for example. Exactly. Exactly. Now, for people here in U.S. who, um, uh, you know, might not know, just to give a little background, uh, did you know at the time that the troll factory was being run by Yevgeny Prigozhin? Because then, eventually, a few years ago, our um, agencies marked him as as one of you know not only that he was running the internet research agency which is a troll farm but at the same time he was running wagner mercenaries which are basically killers sent around the world um you know in in central africa in libya in syria in ukraine now and and they try to separated from the government, but it is connected to the defense ministry. At that time, did you know that Yevgeny Prigozhin was the one behind running these uh, this troll farm? Mm. 
originally back in 2014, I didn't. I didn't even know that it, it was the Russian security services. Mm. And I had suspicion that it might be connected and it's likely connected to the Russian state, but I just didn't know how. And I did know that we are not going to get written evidence about it. But that information about Prigozhin and anything else started to come drop by drop only later on. But uh, you know, an interesting thing happened uh, in the Troll Factory when we were filming there in February 2015. The world's stupidest security guard actually gave it out himself wow. that this is uh, uh, this is a regime is Dani, an administrative building, and he said it uh, uh, to film even because we were filming outside the factory, wow. and he came out trying to uh, make us leave. And he just said, can't you see, girls, you have to leave because this is a regime is Dani or else I will call the police. And in Russia, you know what this means. Mm -hmm. This means that they are especially um, protected uh, state structures. Mm -hmm. Wow. So even with special security, they have special security yeah, in the yeah. building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this Yevgeny Prigozhin stuff, as well as Wagner stuff, is also so uh, disgusting and scary. Um, but they are also doing disgusting and scary operations around the world, as you know, in Africa and elsewhere. So, Yeah, in fact, I wanted to circle back to Ukraine and then what is happening. Okay, from all of your observations and all of your investigations, what are you seeing Okay, that is playing out specifically, let's say in Ukraine, but also now if you see, in fact, the spread, you no, know, that it's spreading globally, right? In Africa, uh, India, we see, you know, that it become vectors and things like that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, of course. I'm so happy that you're asking. Because you know what? The Russian trolls operating in the international information space, they were obsessed with smearing Ukraine already 2014 and 2015. As part of my investigation, I mapped and listed the troll narratives that were being spread around on social media and online, uh, specifically, for example, as links to Russian state propaganda media's articles, as well as on comment sections of different medias, also international medias. Uh, this was happening all over them too. And Finns were um, also reading material from there, but not just Finns, so many other nationalities too were exposed to this material. Also spreading memes, as well as YouTube videos spreading these same narratives. These narratives were already back then that uh, fascists and Nazis are. Um, governing Ukraine, the Kyiv regime is Nazist and fascist, the then Ukrainian uh, pr president is fascist and Nazi and warmonger, and the ones to blame about the war against Ukraine are United States and NATO, as well as European Union. Russian soldiers didn't step a foot in Ukraine, mm. uh, Russia didn't break international law when uh, annexing Crimea for um, when annexing Crimea for example and much of the troll material that I was able to track down back then was about Ukraine and was laying the groundwork already internationally for this what we are now witnessing the genocide but at that time it was uh, of course I connected it to the Russia's actions and military and war actions against eastern Ukraine and Crimea. And also against, uh, as it's now, against the whole international community in order to stop the international community 
for example, to placing sanctions mm. by trying yeah. to brainwash people to yeah. believing that Russia didn't wasn't even involved in this civil mm-hmm. war, as the trolls trolls were saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the same is happening now. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. so they they have this just gives you the length and scope of this uh, operation. How long the genocide has been in the making. And I have been thinking also not only internationally, but think about these Russian kids, Russian uh, young uh, men who are now in the army enlisted. Yeah, many of them voluntarily. They have been weaponized with this material being spread in Russian media. So they are basically weapons who feel and think genuinely that the Ukrainians don't have any uh, human rights. They are not even humans because they have been dehumanized by Putin's troll propaganda in Russia's medias for so long mm. time. So they have no problem mm-hmm. going to Ukraine and raping and killing people, people. in masses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because, um, yeah, they've been, for. I mean, this is for decades, they've been dehumanizing mm. Ukraine and claiming Ukraine has no existence or right to existence. They don't even exist. They're slaves. Mm. I mean, The narratives that have come out is is crazy over the decades. Now, with the trolls, you started following it because, interestingly enough, that's exactly when it started picking up, was um, right prior to uh, their annexation, right around the time when Yanukovych had to flee uh, to Russia. He was the former president of Ukraine and then had to flee and and fled to Russia and is living under security service protection now. So we see these troll farms emerge around that time um, as far as targeting Ukraine. How quickly did you see how, uh, like, what is the ability for these troll farms to repurpose themselves? Because then we went from Ukraine mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know, disinformation on MH17, the flight that was down. Then we Mm -hmm. went to Syria disinformation, 2016 election disinformation. And you see, you know, how quickly do they uh, repurpose themselves? How quickly does it take for them all to get in line and, and, you know, to start pushing out the narratives of whatever it is that they need? Excellent. Brilliant question. Thanks for bringing it up. They can do it in one day. Uh, because yeah. they are given these themes, new themes uh, every morning, and I believe even quicker if if there is need, and they can be redirected to attack almost any topic uh, in real time because they operate around the clock uh, on all time zones. So um, back in 2016, I also started to see that uh, the same uh, accounts that had earlier been spreading just this uh Ukraine material uh, were also spreading pro Trump material. Also mm-hmm. these proxy sites, for example in Finland, they started to more and more support Donald Trump as the president of United States. They were spreading material about Hillary Clinton being mm-hmm. pedophile mm-hmm. and uh, crazy and uh, old and incompetent. And also simultaneously, I was looking at different fake news sites, for example, one site called South Front, Mm. uh, which Mm -hmm. is the making of the Russian military intelligence. And it was all about, it was like directed to these war nerds who are looking for material about, for example, uh, Syria. And, but they were claiming to be some kind of a voluntary like citizen journalism pro- project but in fact they were publishing information that citizen journalists can't get so 
so detailed mm-hmm. military information. So it mm-hmm. was, and they were also pushing for these narratives that the Kremlin was pushing. So I just realized that, oh my God, these are just mushrooming everywhere. Mm-hmm. They are actually, some of these outlets are quite well designed to speak and to lure different kinds of audiences. And of course, at the same time, there was also RT already up and running, which even Margarita Simonian, their chief of uh, editor-in-chief, um, so-called, is also saying uh, herself that it's a weapon of Russian information warfare. So there's just this, It's the problem is that there are so many of these outlets. Some of them have been specialized and they have special target audience. Some of them can be, um, uh, can change the topic uh, very quickly. And they, you know, Russia has been practicing this for such a long time. And I am just terrified how few Western, for yeah. example, uh, intelligence agencies do anything about this yeah. uh, still. Yeah. But that's another story. Yeah. But yeah, it's really, it's just, it's massive. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because this is a militarized zone. It should actually be put in with NATO's five domains. And and somehow we'll get to this No, also, because I just wanted to comment just on what you were saying about the pipeline, uh, how quickly it can change, right? Yeah. Eva? Because you can go from one, you know, we went from, let's say, uh, Ukraine, then Syria, Trump, covid and then from COVID, boom, that we're back into Ukraine. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah. No, and they do it quick. And then they also do micro-targeting as far as like here with the Mueller investigation or, you know, with the Steele dossier or, yeah. you know, and yeah. some of them are become so obsessive to the point that they like, you know, uh, Jessica, you were talking about danger. Like they'll unmask people uh, like, uh, you know, who cooperated, say, with agencies and then create a whole conspiracy around mm-hmm. them to the point that, you know, you actually have physical, like, uh, you know, are in danger of physical violence or, or and receive death threats and whatnot. And it's interesting what, Jessica, you said about the targeting, because these outlets started popping up around in, I would say, like 2011, 12, 13, 14, around that time frame. Here we have a very famous one where they target veterans Mm -hmm. and they, you know, list employment jobs, but at the same time, and it has a pretty huge following, at the same time, this outlet um, is pushing Kremlin propaganda and, again, shifting you know, from whether it be Crimea or MH17 or, uh, you know, insurrection in, in uh, with the capital attacks. So yeah. it, it definitely is um, fascinating to As see. As you said, even in your book, uh, Putin Trolls, uh, it's anyone who is against the regime. I remember one story in one chapter in, in, uh, in your book, Jessica, about the Lithuanian diplomat and how he was targeted. Now, this happened a long time ago, but it's just to show how far back, you know, that they had already, you know, this was the system, this was the MO, and it's militarized. Can you tell us a little bit about that diplomat? Because it's an interesting story. Of course, Renata Yushka is a veteran in this information warfare because he was originally targeted as early as mid-2000. Mm-hmm. So Renatas is my friend. Uh, of course, he's now passed away 
and I'm really yeah. just uh, so sad about that because he taught me so much and he was like mentor and brother or father to me. Mm-hmm. He took me under his wings when he found out how I was being destroyed wow. and he shared with me his story and his stories that he is this just super uh, intelligent, talented guy uh, working with the Lithuanian uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs and uh, being very visionary and wanting very much to help the Belarusian, Lithuanian neighboring countries, uh, human rights activists and fragile opposition, which started to uh, be targeted already mid-2000 in the Lukashenko era, uh, which was helped uh, by Russia. They were already allies back then, and uh, Russia was using uh, Belarus as the testing ground for its uh, security services operations. So already... Uh, back then, Renatas was targeted for the first time, and uh, security services were following him and leaving uh, cigarette ash to his home, for example. And he was portrayed as terrorist supporter mm-hmm. for his uh, initiatives to help the fragile Belarusian opposition. And this happened through Belarusian KGB plus Russian state um, propaganda channels. Uh, common operations. So his uh, phone line was being intercepted as early as mid-2000 and then edited and molded phone conversations were being published on ORT, on Russian, uh, one of the most, now we know that it's ill-reputed and that it's uh, this nasty channel but back then Renatas told me this too that mid-2000 you would have been labeled a conspiracy theorist if you even said that Russia had some fake news or was spreading conspiracy theories because Russia was seen as the ally of the West so but that was only the beginning for Renatas after he continued his career his really good initiatives he protect democracy pro-human rights actions uh, he became target again and again and again until 2013, about uh, eight-ish years after the first targeting. He was again, he was then the uh, ambassador of uh, Lithuania in Budapest, Hungary. And he was there also helping some Russian activists also to maybe organize small, small protests in um, uh, Moscow and elsewhere, and this time his uh, phones were intercepted with three other Lithuanian diplomats, and they were edited, mounted, um, put on YouTube by a troll, YouTube troll who never published anything else, oh, and wow. then that caused scandals in traditional media in four different countries, and uh, eventually uh, lo- the uh, Ministry of Minister of Foreign Affairs uh, dropped his trust. Uh, against or towards Renatas and then he was basically called back like his other mm. um, diplomat friends also they were just disgraced and their uh, careers were being destroyed and later as the Lithuanian security services looked into this they found that it was the making of Russian security service and also it was an attack by Russia against Lithuania's uh, chairing the European Union and and trying to build um, cooperation between EU and its eastern members, eastern partnership countries. So this was also an attack against that. So this is how Russians attack people who they view as uh, somehow problematic to themselves or mm. their allies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was a fascinating story. Jessica, yeah. um, 
with with your um you know investigating these troll farms do you see um them pushing their disinformation to a certain sector like the far right or far left or do you see them mm. like you know uh targeting both and then just uh altering the message to what they want to push to which sector do you see it like being used that both the far fringe left and the fringe right are are um targeted and disseminators of this disinformation yes definitely it seems to be that they are targeting both far ends uh, for example here in finland as well as in sweden they are agitating and inciting these both extremes uh, for example they are building support for far-right uh, parties and far-right political groups Uh, in Finland, uh, they, for example, are pushing out horrible racist hate propaganda against, let's say, refugees and asylum seekers. Mm. For example, back in 2015, there was this uh, huge um, uh, phenomenon when migrants were coming, a lot of them, to Europe, also in Finland. So these Russian fake, pro-Russian fake news sites were pushing the nar- narrative really heavily of these country intruders. Uh, as well as rapists, terrorists, or criminals, like uh, Arabs, Muslims. Mm. It's just so disgusting. Yeah. And simultaneously, of course, they were also pushing a disgusting material about Jewish people. They had even own comment section. This is actually true in also in international program and fake news sites. Some of them have sections like Russia Insider has the comment uh, own section Jewish question. So and wow. then there is horrible hate speech. Wow. So what they're doing is with this they are just uh fueling the racist elements and the uh, mm, the people who are already a kind of leaning towards uh discrimination. They are really pushing the buttons inside our brains uh because as humans we are actually prone to Uh, this discriminate. So what they're doing is they are really just pushing and pushing and pushing in order to, for example, cause protests against uh, immigrants, refugees. This is one way of hurting the West, as well as uh, internal conflict between uh, uh, migrants and uh, popula- uh, other populations, as well as then even agitate into real violence against those migrants, as has been seen here in Finland. There was just so much violence uh 2015 yeah. and 2016. Yeah. So this is... And Jessica, go ahead, finish. Yeah, so this is a real problem. And this is what we're seeing also in the United States. Uh, it seems to be the Russian trolls and agitators who have been infiltrated uh, into your uh, social media groups and forming their own groups pretending to be normal American citizens when in fact they are Russian trolls pretending as American citizens and then fueling uh, agitating hatred against for example Mexican people and Latin American people yeah and all other uh, uh, for the foreigners yeah Jessica, have you seen um the Kremlin shift their strategy where now they are trying to take these trolls where you know and cause the division using online, then now they're trying to shift it over to actually uh having violent attacks across the globe? Yes, unfortunately. As a result yes. of these Yes, of course. I think it is their end goal hmm. and has been for some time. And you know, they are really 
you can see what the Russian security services are really good at. They are really good at cultivating their targets even decades. So um, they are kind of, they know how to play long term already because they have been doing this cultivating of real people for just decades. Mm. And this is what they are doing on social media. They are playing long term. They are cultivating uh, on social media individuals and communities. Long term, they are weaponizing these communities that are inside our uh, societies uh, so that uh, their end goal is to have these people in these communities committing violent or um, rebellious or any type of anti-systemic actions and acts uh, or even terrorist attacks against our own countries. Then, you know, uh, it doesn't stop there. And then after these attacks are carried out, then they blame our politicians yeah. and our systems yeah. and our degeneration for the act. So it is just so cynical that it actually gives me the chills. But this is what we are witnessing in so many countries. And, you know, the problem is that we don't even know how many of these operations have yeah. already been carried out. Yeah. yeah, no, indeed. Indeed. Like United States. Yeah, look at, yeah, exactly. Huh. Exactly. But even here, for example, there was a, a protest. We've had two or three protests that are clearly they were manufactured protests. You could see, right, the way that it was set up even before because they were p preparing the terrain on a lot of telegram chats and, and different things that I was monitoring. And then from there, you know, it gets transferred, you know, uh, physically, sometimes not a, like not in the large numbers that one would think, but the violence is there, you know, the violence is there. And that was no, uh, that kind of thing. Jessica, with everything that you've written in the book, and I remember going through all of the chapter on Inform Napalm and how they were, were able to combat, okay, uh, the, the whole information warfare and their real heroes, okay, and what they do, all right, as a group, also the alliance that they formed and different things. But in all of the investigations, let's talk, let's go to what we can actually do, because this is really important to you know to reach out let's say on the level of our governments social media platforms but also as simple citizens okay another thing um, I, let's mm -hmm. say with this discussion this part um are there for example programs that are already successful in places like finland or someplace else where they grow and nurture uh, digital literacy which is fundamental in my view uh, and if you know about some of those programs and talk about that. I'm so happy that you mentioned Inform Napalm, the Ukrainian voluntary community, which has been uncovering Russia's warfare against Ukraine ever since 2014. It's uh, actually founded by a refugee, Ukrainian refugee who had to flee the Russian soldiers threatening him. Uh, so. Mm, they actually conduct information warfare against the Kremlin and try to hit the Kremlin really mm -hmm. hard. And they have uh, that mission because they want to kind of help their army, help their uh, defense forces uh, in a manner that if the Kremlin even has to put small, sometimes resources into countering inform Napalm's information attacks, then that helps uh, the Ukrainians to win the war. So that's quite inspiring. And uh, I don't know so many people who actually have committed into uh, waging information warfare against the Kremlin, um, except these guys. And it's super um, uh, 
just inspirational and they do these operations uh, in cooperation with patriotic hackers who, for example, put themselves inside the Vyacheslav Surkov's emails yeah. as well yeah. as uh, in different places and then they publish that information and actually now I'm quite interested and happy to see that the anonymous hackers have been doing similar operations against the Kremlin's propaganda machinery. So I would say uh, as ordinary citizen, I would really personally enjoy if I had some of these capabilities so that I could participate. Yeah. In, some <laughs> in fact, while I was reading, I said, man, I got to do a course in this. I got to learn how to, you know, I got to get in there because that's that sounds like, right? Well, because this is militarized. Exactly. So you almost need also other kinds, like you have to sort of, uh, I'm thinking in Italian right now, but you need to do actions that can counteract military actions. I mean, it's not a, just enough to say, well, that's not very good. You know, like you have to have some sort of strategy. Well, we saw how it yeah. worked. No, that's the whole thing. We saw how it worked because even with, um, you know, Russia's, uh, when in December, you know, Russia was preparing their assault on Ukraine, you saw how American and British intelligence came out. And Russia is so used to controlling yeah. the yeah. narrative yeah. and being able to spin what they want. And just because U.S. and British intelligence came out, you know, people thought it would stop, you know, the, the impending attack, which obviously so you never would, nothing would. But Russia was thrown mm. off. And you saw the U.S. Uh, you know, intelligence and British communities would say, oh, and Russia will do this, and they will do this on this date and that date. And Russia was left without yeah. a narrative, and yeah. they actually went into defense mode trying to, you know, now, no, we're not planning on this and, and whatever. And it threw them off balance. That was the first time in my whole life I've ever seen Russia, uh, you know, intelligence services and the Kremlin thrown off balance like this, you know? So do you think maybe perhaps intelligence agencies should in Europe and U.S. should do the same maybe when they see like, um, uh, like uh, information warfare operations being built up, like with mm -hmm. COVID and with Ukraine, should they give us the same warnings and try to, you know, notify the public this is what will be coming out before it does come out? Completely. And uh, they should really cooperate in this because there is just not enough resources yeah. uh, being allocated into uncovering these operations. And that is what the Russia is so much exploiting at the moment. They are just left in peace to conduct these operations through Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and everywhere else. So what we would need and what I would want to see and what I have asked from you as legislators uh, some years ago, please put out laws where intelligence services just have to dig out these operations while they are ongoing and then report them to the audience so that the audience who is targeted can actually um, defend from them. Because think about if that would have happened when Russian trolls were attacking and micro-targeting the people who would be turned into Trump supporters yeah. and voters. Yeah. Uh, prior to the 2016. Mm -hmm. Now what happened was Russian trolls were just turning these people into Trump supporters and voters. And only like two years afterwards, we learned that there was such an operation ongoing. So if those people would have been warned that you are now interacting with uh, Russian yeah. 
uh, troll, which is directed by a Russian security service agent. So you might want to reconsider your shifting your ideas about Hillary Clinton to the Trump side and, and, you know, might want to disengage from that communication. So that might have helped uh, the world history even. Hmm. So I'm definitely with you there, Olga, and I am disappointed that we are not seeing that already. And uh, But uh, about these counter methods, also uh, something that Monique said really inspired me to thinking that there should be this, uh, if all citizens or majority of the citizens became uh, interested in helping to win this information warfare, it would be useful because we would still outsource uh, uh, these uh, Russian security service and their troll farms, as well as people who ha- who they have uh, uh, p- victimized. Uh, if we only also engage in those uh, hate communities and help their participants to see what's going on and uh, help them get out of the rabbit hole, because that's something yeah. that really should be done. And now if you try to do that alone, oh. you know, the Russian trolls target you. They outweigh you. They uh, tell you that you are a conspiracy theorist and you are being kicked out of these social media rooms. So that's something really. And, you know, it's so horrible to think that we are just civilians who are being attacked. We have nothing like we don't have any training to counter this. And then there are these just KGB, FSB, GRU, just heavily trained uh, officers who are just attacking us. Even the idea just makes me so sick and just so sad. So people just really need help and support in this. No, that's perfectly true. Training of some sort, maybe starting in the schools where they know, right, having some sort of program where it becomes, where they understand that it's part of security. It's part of, you can use other kinds of language so that it's more appealing, right, to younger people. Because if you start saying, well, this is a security threat, they'll look at you and go, eh, you know what I mean? Either just put it on Instagram, (laughs) put it someplace where they're going to see it in a certain way, you know? I don't know. I don't know, Jessica, if you're seeing the same thing, but I have to say since 2016 to now, you know, my time on, on Twitter, I have seen like a regular, like just my regular normal followers, you know, who absolutely never followed Russia, though never paid attention to Russian intelligence services, become more savvy. Hmm. And, you know, I constantly, every tweet of mine is attacked with the endless trolls and conspiracies and, you know, whatever. And like, they've even made memes. This is a troll. And it's the funniest memes, like, you know, like identifying this is a troll. You Mm -hmm. are a troll or like, that's Vidania or like, you know, they talk to them in Russian. And I think I see it shifting, but that's again in my orbit. But I see it shifting towards, you know, people now being able to identify disinformation. I don't know how it is on the, in like the, you know, the right Mm. circles, you know, because on the left circles, which is clearly who my audience is, you see how they um, have become more savvy since 2016 because 2016, they did not understand what was happening. Completely. Have you seen the same? Yeah. I have definitely. Uh, this is uh, happening specifically in these more public forums, uh, but uh, but uh, at the same time, unfortunately, so much uh, of this influencing is happening in closed forums 
in closed mm-hmm. groups in which we are not yeah. uh, targeted yeah. for. We are not yeah. invited yeah. Uh, because we would uh, uh, immediately point it out and yeah. try and uh, fight it. Uh, so yeah. I, I just f- wish there was a way of um, of getting the same awareness to those closed groups and to those micro-targeted uh, uh, people, uh, w- which we are now having on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say, you know, seriously, uh, for example, some uh, diplomat from Finland has told me uh, that even she didn't believe me when I was addressing this problem back in 2014, because she thought that it's too sci-fi. Yeah. So there are just people, yeah. but now she believes, yeah. which is a good thing. But yeah. there are still people God. who just, it's too much for their brain. It's just, it's too, I guess it's just too maybe negative or scary. So they want to protect themselves mm. from not seeing that this is actually yeah, happening. I remember. Mm. I don't know. Have you, because I would like to hear your thoughts about this too. Uh, yeah, no, um, uh, there are definitely, um, you know, uh, well, people who didn't believe just the general threat of Russia, both the disinformation and, you know, like, uh, I've been, you know, on my end trying to do everything to sound the alarm forever just because I'm half Russian, half Ukrainian. My God, I can't even begin to get into what happened inside of Russia since Putin came into power and how he came into power. Forget what's been happening in Ukraine since the collapse of the Soviet Union. But here, just in general, I mean, the pushback, whether it be, you know, putting sanctions, stopping the money flow, the disinformation, and people, you know, as far as, For me, I had a lot of pushback trying to explain to people that, you know, disinformation was the number one tool that the KGB used. This was their number one weapon. This was their number one tool that they used against us going Mm -hmm. back to Stalin days. And people, you know, oh, you and the KGB, Mm -hmm. oh, you're paranoid. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're hyperbolic. Now they see what's happening and they see how dangerous it is because, you know, we've seen the consequences, not only with Russia's, you know, genocide operation right now in Ukraine, but just in general, how they've targeted politicians, how they, like, for instance, Russia's Duma threatened one of our, two of our politicians with assassination or joked and said they're going to kidnap him. And right away, a whole swarm of trolls went after. And it's like, I mean, it literally, they remind me of bees and like you just stand there and you have like these bees who surround you and you just can't get out of it. So now I think because Russia has completely Mm -hmm. removed the mask Mm -hmm. off of Mm -hmm. everything, And what they, because for the most part, the problem is that the past few decades, you know, they've been very good. Oh, we're your partner. We want to fight terrorism with you. We want to fight cybersecurity with you. Meanwhile, they're the number one, you know, culprit of attacking us with cyber attacks. Um, I think now because they've just taken all the masks off and like we see just with Ukraine, the, their capabilities, how they can go house by house and execute yeah. families, you know, and yeah. how evil it is. It's not even executing families. It's ripping the tongues yeah. out of families and executing them because now we're seeing these capabilities like now it's out in the open for everyone and Russia doesn't even hide it. I yeah. think people are beginning to wake yeah. up and, you know, and say, oh, yeah. Like we overslept yeah, this for, like for a few decades. So I definitely mm. am seeing a shift. 
my my worry is that you know that people have woken up to it agencies have woken up to it but i just don't think that they have like a plan yeah. on how to combat it yeah and that's facts. what i worry and I think we're too polarized because Russia has polarized every single country to the point, like, how do you get to half of the or a third of the population in the United States to tell them that you are, you know, being used as mm-hmm. useful idiots mm-hmm. for yeah. Russian security services or same in Finland mm-hmm. or, you know, so that's yeah. my worry that now we're so split, whereas during the Soviet Union, you know, everyone knew the Soviet Union was a threat. The whole country united and rallied to defeat the Soviet yeah. Union. But that's you know? the same. How is it in Europe, Jessica? It uh, depends a little bit of the country, but the modus operandi is completely like you oh, described, froze. basically. Uh, but there are countries that are not doing mm-hmm. so well. Uh, for example, I just recently heard from Slovakian mm-hmm. journalists that at some point there was a poll and only something like 35 percent mm-hmm. of slovakian people mm-hmm. thought uh, and believed that it was russia who started yeah. the war so this is serious this, i mean yeah. this is serious yeah. yeah and this is also the people who then end up uh, uh voting for the next exactly. legislators and yeah well jessica and, and we have <laughs> also, we have the same problem here because we're coming up yeah we're coming up to the next it. elections what i just wanted to add to what we, you guys were saying with the polarization and know that this is a threat i remember when i think it was about 2016 so it was coming up to the elections, I was doing courses, okay, at my university, I had already started seeing the five-star movement and the kind of propaganda that they were putting out that had clear, clear roots, but we're talking from 2014. I'd been following them for a while uh, with clear, clear messaging of Nazism, uh, all of the divisive language, the language was crazy. And I just said, oh my God, what is this stuff? You know, where did they come from? And I remember then, you know, the presidential elections, but before that in the summer, there was Brexit. So I was following all of that very closely. And my students, I kept saying to them, can't you guys see what's happening? You know, and they were like, you know, fingers in their nose going, uh, hold on, let me check my Instagram page. You know, like they, they just, they didn't get it. They could, I couldn't, I would came off like I was completely crazy. Even when I spoke to my colleagues and they said, you know, what are you talking about? And I said, something's happening. This is just too, you know, I'm seeing the same messages everywhere. And I couldn't figure out because I didn't have at that time, I didn't have the basis in order to you know to understand what the actual operation was. But you're absolutely right. And the same thing now, the only thing, and you're right, Olga, the only thing that has sort of turned on some little light bulbs is the violence and the the genocide in Ukraine. Uh, not totally, because I still get shrugs. I still get, oh yeah, and? You, they don't understand it's a security threat. They don't understand that. That's the whole point, you know? They don't understand it's a military operation. And Russia works get it. to make them not understand you know, it. <laughs> it's incredible. And we have an election coming up. So and I'm very, very worried. Very worried. So we're working overtime, you know? Yeah, no. Russia definitely 
shifted in 2015 to attack every single European mm-hmm. election, U.S. election. And it was just that was, you know, their their opening. They had laid the groundwork with these trolls, you know, quite a while, but for years. And that's when you saw they went out with Brexit, with U.S. elections, French elections and Le Pen, with Italian mm-hmm. elections, with yeah. German elections. So oh, yeah. you saw them specifically going after everyone and using. And you saw, I mean, whether it was in Germany, they were talking about mm-hmm. Syrian refugees and, you know, all the dehumanizing them. Or you have Trump mm-hmm. with his, you know, I mean, I call him like the number one troll because he's like a KGB mm-hmm. troll. Um, him coming out and saying Mexicans yeah. are rapists and this is that and this is a mm. shithole country and these people are or that. You know? I mean, he used exactly all the language of the, the St. Petersburg yeah. troll factory, yeah. <laughs> literally. Like he was very much in line yeah. with them. Yeah. So. Exactly. I, I feel that he really equals maybe a 20 troll factories yeah. because his earlier following on social media uh, slash in the traditional media, of course, has been massive. So I'm really happy that he's not sharing his hate speech anymore on Twitter, uh, which helps the, has helped yeah. the Kremlin and has helped yeah. the other trolls and has really militarized the discussion uh, atmosphere in the United States and internationally. Mm-hmm. Too. Exactly. Deplatforming does work. It does work, you know. Yeah, what can we do with tech companies? What can regular citizens do to force uh, these social media platforms so clearly yeah. can eliminate a uh, hundred thousand, you know, bot factory? Yeah. I mean, bot package, and and with one click, what can we do to uh, put pressure on them that they need to act because this is not only subverting our democracies but it is dangerous and turning violent. They should be sued heavily. <laughs> And there should be an army of lawyers uh, going after them uh, in America where they're based uh, because everything else has been tried already. I have tried to just ask kindly. Many citizens have tried Mm -hmm. to ask kindly. I have been in the headquarters of these companies telling them my story, how I have been uh, being put a criminal factory. Uh, after starting to discuss the threat of Russian trolls using their platforms as enablers of these crimes and having then uh, being forced to spend half of like Finnish uh, uh, police's budget wow. in investigating wow. these crimes wow. against me when Facebook and Twitter don't even bother to remove uh, yeah. these accounts of these well-known Russian propagandist slash fake troll criminal yeah. account. So, uh, and also, oh my God, the other operations that they let themselves um, be used mm-hmm. in. So, mm-hmm. I don't know what else is there. There's I really don't know too that could be this. This is what we're trying to develop. Okay, with a group. Okay, of people is that now inside the sanctions package to actually in like as an individual like finding okay and and trying to put okay if you are for example the italian broadcaster public broadcaster uh you can't have you know certain people on that are sanctioned individuals so this could be you know one thing to do or inside the global magnitsky act the way that a cyber was put in in australia right they were it was put in that was that section that was put into the Australian version of the Magnitsky Global. There are like 
different ways of doing it. Uh, this could be a, you know, something of discussion, um, you know, in the future. Uh, but we have to come up with ways, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. Now it was interesting to see what they did uh, after twenty uh, fourth of February, uh, after uh, mm. Putin uh, declared and started the full fledged genocide slash a criminal war war crime, uh, hell against Ukraine. So that was then when RT and Facebook slash Meta came out with their uh, statement saying that now they will remove the monetizing yeah. option from RT uh, from their platforms. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> gee, thanks. Now oh, you do no. it. Yeah. All right. But you still let them yeah. operate. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm fed up with yeah. this, guys. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. No, it is. It is. I know. What is your, to wrap up, what is your final warning? Um, you know, what are you seeing? What do you see happening over the summer? What do you see Russian troll farms mm. targeting um, as far as in Europe? What is your warning? In Europe, uh, they are trying to turn real people as uh, Putinists, mm. as uh these zombies who will take directions from the trolls and then go try and influence uh, our local decision makers to, for example, stop directing sanctions mm -hmm. against Russia and also stop sending military mm -hmm. help to Russia and um, just all in all undermining the community. Yeah. Uh, the European community as well as NATO and international community but also I'm really uh, worried what else is mm. there because like we discussed earlier we just don't know all these operations and a lot of them are circling around Ukraine at the moment sure but there is a lot going yeah. on that we just haven't yet uh, yeah. unfounded yeah definitely definitely thanks for that Jessica thank you thank you thank you yeah for yeah. US yeah for US for U.S.? I just want to ask, uh, add a U.S. Yeah, of course. This will, of uh, course. Will be true. For U.S., uh, the warning is that they're going to target all transgender issues, abortion issues, mm -hmm. especially with the ruling. I worry about the summer of them trying to turn these protests into violent um, gun issues and our upcoming um, elections like that to me, the next few months, I am petrified because if we don't get our act together, you know, we might end up having a lot of violent protests and domestic terrorists who will off of these issues that Russia is beginning to amplify, um, have yeah. problems here. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> That's great. That is so worrying. I just have mm -hmm. to say one thing that what the Russians really want to see are passive, afraid mm -hmm. citizens. So what I say to everyone is to uh, be active, be brave, resist and help the community to survive these Russian trolls, because that is uh, what the world needs at the moment so much. We need to defend democracy and defend freedoms because they are at stake if the Russian trolls uh, win. That's right. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. We're going to speak yes, with you exactly. forever. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Okay. I love you so much. It was so much fun. Hey, everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please visit our website, kremlinfile.com. This is a Bunker Crew Media production hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monique Kamara, with executive producers Marley Clements 
Jack Bryan, Grant DeSimone, Ben Brett, and Jordy Micellis of Midas Media, with associate producers Ruby Frankel and Sarah Metz. Theme music by Oreste Camarra. Sound editing and mixing by Joy Ellett. Subscribe to Kremlin File wherever you listen to podcasts.